Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us for our first video episode of the Saber Talk podcast. This is your one of your co-hosts, Mark Geis. And this is Josh Eppinger, as always. So we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I know probably some people that join us here will listen to our audio-only version, but we're going to this YouTube live and YouTube video version, hopefully be able to engage with people a little bit more be able to have some live interaction with fans and it's frankly so easy to do now it's it's actually surprising how how easy it is to do so thank you so much for joining us we have a great time doing this and just trying to add another element to the show how's everything going on your end josh great great i'm uh, very excited about this uh live feed that we're doing with the video it's uh like you said it's great that we have such wonderful technology out to help us with things like this and uh the best part about it, it's free, so it's not killing Mark or mine's uh, huge budgets that we're spending on this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, we've we've really been breaking the bank with our uh, <laughs> with our approach to this podcast so far, but it's been a lot of yeah. fun. And we Speaking just keep of breaking the bank. Yeah, though, good, um, good transition. You know, there's some pretty big news yesterday. Um, Jack Eichel signs a eight year deal yesterday, eight eighty million dollars, so ten million dollars average on hand and. Uh, I think it's a fair deal for uh, the Sabers and Jack. I, uh, I think it's a good good idea to get that contract signed before the beginning of the season. Mark, uh, what did what did you uh, have to feel about this contract? I like it. I think it was right in that range where you and I had talked about, and we were hoping this would get done before the season. I think virtually every Sabers fan out there, except for some of the ones that get caught on the Sabres cold takes Twitter account, but I think 99.9% of Sabres fans love Jack Eichel, want him to be here long-term, understand that he's the best path to a Stanley Cup for this franchise, and are happy about what happened here. And I thought the the range would probably be 9.5 to 10.5, somewhere in there. I was hoping it would be closer to 9.5, but ended up being right in the middle of that range at $10 million per year. And I think that'll look better and better over time. I think it's also great for Jack. I think they they came out and said that Jack took a discount to get this done and hopefully to get more players in here for, for the Sabres to have a little bit of extra cap space. I, I don't know how much I, I believe that necessarily uh, because I, maybe, he, maybe it could have been 10.5 or 11, but I don't think it was this huge discount that he took. Ultimately, he's being paid $80 million over eight years. But you and I were both really excited talking back and forth, and uh, I think we exhibit what all Sabres fans are feeling right now. Yeah, and you know the the thing about it, when you look around uh, reactions around the league, some people are saying, are you kidding me? This Eichel, what has he proved? It, well, how is he getting $10 million a year when Patrick Kane is making ten and a half? Well, the thing is – we have we've had so such bad luck with keeping uh, free agent um, players once they hit free agency. We can all remember Danny Breer. We can all remember Chris Jury. That offseason was horrendous for the Sabers, and they tried to pick it back up, and it ultimately fell apart. But we have uh, a premier generational talent. We've been using that to describe Eichel since he's been here, and this is year three. We have him for nine years at this point. It's funny to think, Mark, that. We're going to be 34 when his contract's up. We're at both at the age of 25, and he'll be 29. It's we. This is like you said, the best clear-cut way to get us to 
uh, Stanley Cup, hopefully. Definitely. And, and he's the first piece that we uh, start building with. For sure. that This is the piece that he, he was the end game of, of all the tanking. And he, he signed for the max amount of term possible. Eight years is the is the max contract. So the Sabres extended him as long as possible. We now know that he's going to be a Sabre for at least 11 seasons. And this is what you've got to do. You've, you've got to pay what it takes to lock up, like you said, a, a generational type of player. You see what's happening in Colorado right now, and you see how they jerked around Ryan O'Reilly and O'Reilly's gone. They're jerking around Matt Duchesne right now. I'm not saying those guys are on the same level in terms of being a generational talent as Jack Eichel, but those were their core pieces. They jerked them around money-wise, didn't extend them, and O'Reilly has left. Duchesne's going to be going out the door. Landeskog, they've talked about possibly moving. Uh, Barry, they've also talked about moving. So this is what you have to do, and people who are being critical of this just don't understand what the modern NHL is and salaries continually go up it's it, it's not a fair comparison to look at a contract that was signed four or five seasons ago and compare it to one that's being signed today so when you look at his when you look at his comparables McDavid got 12.5 million a year I believe it was Dry's Idol was 8.5 I believe and I think Eichel falling in the middle of that range makes a ton of sense so I think this was his market value I love it for both sides. I'm, I'm happy that Eichel's going to be a very rich man, uh, and I'm happy that he's going to have the, the real prime of his career in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, something to be very excited about. It's You don't get these type of players every day, and the fact that I don't know if you listened to the, the press conference today, but the way that this young man handles himself and that the way he answers questions and he still can uh, bring a little laughter and humor to a converse, a serious conversation, but he's all in on the Sabres at this point in his life and he's going to be all in the Sabres for the next nine years, which is uh, very exciting for me, you, and the rest of the city of Buffalo. And he, I think he's really, and I think we both would have agreed before he signed this deal, but he's really uh, determined to bring that the show the city of Buffalo what he has to offer, and he wants to show everyone why he earned that money, and it's going to be uh, fun to see. And like you said, I, you know, the, you can't compare Eichel's contract to um, Patrick Kane's because the cap goes up every year, and five years from now we're going to be getting a steal on this deal, and you know we're going to, you know. What's going to actually end up hurting is the Toronto Maple Leafs pockets with them having to sign Matthews and Marner and the Nylander and the rest of the crew because these contracts are continuously getting bigger and bigger, and they've always have been that way, and they're never going to stop. Yep, and and that's just uh, that is the modern-day NHL. And some people, I think, are stuck in the past and talked about we, we want to give Eichel a bridge deal and then sign him when he's a restricted free agent again. And that, that's just not how the NHL operates. It's not how you want to operate as a team. You want to get your guys locked up. You need to get your upper echelon guys locked up. And you don't want to get stuck paying mediocre role player type guys over long-term deals. That's the success or that's the blueprint for long-term success in the NHL. That's why you've seen, the Blackhawks be continuously good. They they locked up their big guns long term. It's put them in difficult cap situations, and 
they've had still some questionable contracts. The the Seabrook contract is still holding them down. You can definitely make a strong argument that Taves is overpaid, but that team has contended essentially year after year for a long time here. The Penguins have locked up their big guns long-term, haven't committed too much to role players, have cycled through guys coming up through the system, and that's what we're going to see the Sabres do here. So Botterill, coming from a, a winning organization, I think, understands that. I think, I hope that any NH, NHL GM would recognize that when you have a player with the talent, with the upside of Jack Eichel. But this offseason overall, you know, we can't say it's it's 100% perfect, but I think the Sabres are in a far better position now than they were at the end of last year. And we we have to be pretty happy about that with how many things went wrong over the last couple of years and with, with how many times yeah. you and I came on here and, and, and we're talking talking about issues. It's nice to have some optimism. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate to a playoff spot this year or that kind of optimism, but I think we can sit pretty happy going into this season overall. Yeah. And uh, one last thing about Jack real quick. There's a lot of uh, people getting stirred up on Twitter and on the local Flagstaff radio about uh, Eichel not being announced as a captain at the press conference today. Uh, I like the way how the team handled it. I think, you know, for dramatics and stuff like that, a lot of people want to see that happen because it just blows the lid off the whole story, throwing the C on them too. But like uh, Jason Botterell said, we don't need it. We we doesn't he doesn't he's part of this organ uh, lead leadership organizational organizationally, if, excuse me, um, and you know guys like him, Ryan O'Reilly, Jason Pomville, Kyle Poso, they're all going to be in it together, and that's how a really um uh how a captaincy role works in uh, the modern NHL. You think Sidney Crosby uh, was ready to be the captain and the full-on captain at 19 or 20 when Pittsburgh uh, gave him the C? Absolutely not. It was Is Connor McDavid the, you know, the, the go-to guy in the locker room last year when they gave him the C? No. It's just, it's just us. It, there's different players, and they all contribute a different way as the leaders on the team, and the C – doesn't mean much, but I did also love wearing my Michael Pecka jersey with the C on it when I was a kid. So, you know, it's just more for dramatics and fans. Yeah. I, I, That's my point. I agree, and I was I was trying to explain how the captaincy in hockey works to a non-hockey fan. They said, well, does it does it really matter? Because I, I had uh, said the report that Michael's expected to be named captain. Of course, he hasn't been, been named captain yet. And it may be a while. He, he may not be named captain. But I was trying to explain it to him. And I said, it's more important than it is in other sports, yet still overrated in general by hockey fans. So I think that's where it is. It, there is some value placed on it. But I think fans spend too much time talking about it. And it the reason why I would like Eichel to be named captain is because we know he's he's the long-term leader of this team. He, like we had mentioned earlier, is going to be if they if they do eventually make deep runs into the playoffs, he's going to be the central cog. And I do think he's a leader too. I think he's got that little bit of cockiness that you need to be a leader of exceptionally talented athletes. You know, you've you've got to have confidence to be able to do that. He is vocal too, and he handles the media pretty well. And you had mentioned that earlier when talking about 
him at the press conference. And I think he he has started to this has started to become his city. I remember us discussing it last year after that Toronto game when he had the celebration where he pounded the glass and you could tell just he was saying, This is my house and I want to defend my house. And that's what happens when you become a leader of a team, when you start to embrace a city. So we're seeing all that come together and it's only gonna get stronger and stronger over time. So I completely agree. Eichel should be captain, but we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about it because ultimately the leaders are going to emerge whether they're named captain or not. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just excited. You know, the and the NHL uh, kicks uh, kicks off tonight. It's already kicked off. Uh, Toronto's playing tonight in Winnipeg, you said, Mark? Yep. I believe uh, um, on NBCSN right now we got the Blues and the, the – the, who's the Blues playing? Bla- I, I uh, Penguins, remember. I believe. Yeah, the Penguins. Yeah, so we we got a the season started, but the Saber season starts tomorrow night, and I couldn't be more excited for it. Uh, I thought it was a little odd. We starting the season exactly the same way we did last year, at home against Montreal, a, a Montreal team that uh, has been uh, been changed around a little bit. They traded out one of their. Uh, their um, their high draft picks that I liked in the 2015 dra- 16 draft with um, with um, they sent Sergachev to for to, and a second round pick for Jonathan Druin who will be centering the first line for the Maple Leafs making his debut in the regular season tomorrow. Uh, what do you think about uh, what do you expect to see in this game, Mark? Yeah, I think the the Habs overall are one of the more interesting teams to talk about for that reason. They have quite a few new faces. With Carey Price in net, you're always a, a, a contender to make the playoffs, but with the, with that roster in front of them, there are a lot of question marks. Does Duran tr- translate well to being that number one center? We don't know yet. That's a, that's a huge question mark. Does Galchenyuk emerge as being a, a legitimate top six winger when he he really did struggle last year I don't know uh I I can't really predict well individual games on an on an individual game by game basis but the Sabres have have played the Habs pretty well over time uh generally they've they've done well against Price for whatever reason I think they they tend to match up well stylistically now the Habs their their style may be changing here with a with a little bit of change to their roster but um i expect the sabers to to come out strong in this game just because of the history with the habs and them playing the habs strong now for the first couple weeks or month of the season i don't really expect the sabers to do great i don't i don't think they're going to have their typical saber start to the season where they they dip to last place in the conference and then have to play catch up the rest of the year that's what we've gotten used to but there are so many new faces here, new coach, uh, still a lot of tinkering with the line combinations. So I'm expecting him to come out with a bang tomorrow, but I wouldn't place very high expectations on them in the month of October. What are you thinking? Well, first things first, yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm not putting a, a bunch of expectations on the Sabres for the month of October. This is a brand-new system, and when I talk to people while I'm bartending or – anything i let them know uh the casual hockey fan i would say i would say remember this that these guys are learning a brand new system they're gonna get caught they're gonna make mistakes but 
once they get into it, they're gonna it, the team's gonna it's gonna be better for the team in the long run. So I'm not expecting uh, them to go and bust the bust the the press up and say, oh, the Sabers are you know winning the month of October. It's gonna be they're gonna struggle, it's, and I think everyone really no understands that but um it's gonna be interesting to play against a team like the habs and you know the, it's interesting to see what the habs look like this year too if uh you know lo- losing guys like emelin and you know the, i i think they they lost a lot in the back end and uh they've made some moves on the on the forward group that they have a they have four pretty good lines where you got um you know paul byron who's a speedster on the fourth line with Hemsky and uh, De La Rosa, I believe, uh, centering that fourth line as of right now. And uh, I, I, I've been a anyone that's listened to this podcast before. I've been a big Jonathan Druin fan for a while, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see him play in Mont- for Montreal, being the French Canadian boy and uh, highly sought after for years and. I'm excited to see what happens, but it's going to be interesting how the Sabres stack up of them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Their their defense is definitely depleted. The Sabres have one of the products of, of that defense being depleted with uh, with Beaulieu coming to the Sabres. Uh, so they're in a similar situation with a ton of new faces, especially on the back end, but they're they're not very deep. They've lost they've lost a lot of the depth that they that they had last year. Uh, so I don't I'm not scared by this team. And uh, no, I think it's a no. it's a good situation to go into. I, I love having a divisional game, being the the opening night game, and I think this is a team that the that the Sabers will match up pretty well against. Yeah, a four point game. Uh, so if they win, you know, you gotta always look at those divisional games as a four point game. I thought it was pretty funny yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Um, Nathan Bullyu was getting interviewed by the media, and he. They asked, well, what's it like playing uh, against Montreal on opening night? And Eichel was walking by in the background. He goes, oh, I'm Nathan Beaulieu, and I and I used to play for Montreal, and I used to be a Canadian. And uh, it was I got a pretty good chuckle about that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. You know Beaulieu will have that chip on his shoulder. And uh, I think he's someone that's really going to contribute a lot early on with this team. I think especially with an injury of Bogosian. We're not sure if he's going to be able to make the lineup tomorrow night or not. But uh, with Boyu in there, I think uh, you're going to see a lot from him. And I think he's going to come out here and earn his stripes. He's going to be he's going to be dominating uh, the play and jumping in and earning his role on this team because he does not want to be left, left behind like Montreal did to him last year in the playoffs. When again, it looks like he's going to be playing with Ristolainen tomorrow. So in, interesting deep pairings that we that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. Bogosian is hurt. Mm-hmm. What else is new? But Bolu getting the shot next to Risto. I think Bolu looked really nice in preseason overall. He's obviously got a great toolbox. He he's a good skater, good passer. I I think all the skills are there for him to be a very good defenseman. And I think having patience with him and putting him in a situation like this where you know, you're playing with the best defenseman on the team. You are going to be playing tough minutes, probably. But this is a great situation for him. And then going going up against your former team, he's got to be really excited going into tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, 
It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it, it looks like uh, Benoit Pouliot will be playing on the O'Reilly line uh, tomorrow on the left side, uh, which will be interesting to see. You know, he's a big guy. He's a good skater. But is he going to be able to produce on that line? Uh, you know, it's a po- that's a possession line. Uh, guys that are, you know, they got to get open and make the right moves. So that's been a question mark for me this whole time, uh, this whole offseason for me. Yeah, yeah, that – that left wing spot position uh, is very questionable because I don't like Kane next to Eichel. I know we've we've be- beaten this subject to death over time, but there's not a whole lot else there. I'm, I'm surprised Gergensen's isn't the one going into the season on the O'Reilly Oposa line because that line looked very good in the preseason, but they've moved him down. Pouliot was pretty disappointing overall. I saw some people clamoring for him to potentially be the 13th forward going into the season. I'm I I wasn't one of the one of the people clamoring for that, but he's being put in a position to succeed and if if you don't produce on that line, if if he's not a at least a serviceable cog on that line, then I'm going to start to have question marks on where does he contribute to this team? Is he going to have a top 9 role on this team? Because I think if if you can't produce in that spot next to the two most veteran guys outside of Pommonville on the team, guys that played together virtually all of last year, then I don't know where you're going to produce. And maybe with Gergensen's strong play, they thought he can jumpstart the Reinhardt line. That line didn't produce really much at all in preseason. Wasn't that impressive in preseason. But pretty interesting lines overall. Uh, what do you think of uh, of these lines going into tomorrow night? Well, you actually just took a thought out of my mouth with uh, Gergson's maybe dr- dr- uh, jump-starting that uh, Reinhardt line with uh, uh, jump-starting that Reinhardt line. Uh, I, I, like you, I assumed that Zygmunt Gergson's would be with O'Reilly and uh, Oposo. Maybe, maybe we'll see... You know, I don't want to jump the gun here or anything, and I have all the faith in Ryan O'Reilly. But maybe we'll see more of a of a of a or Sam Reinhardt line getting more minutes if uh, they can get that line moving. But I definitely the one thing I know for sure is I'm not I'm not going to take anything. I'm not trying to take anything away from Ryan O'Reilly at all, Mark. But uh, he needs to produce more, I think, than he did last year. He's he's solid on both both sides of the ice. He plays a 200-foot game. But I want to see him score more. I want to see him in Oposo. Yes, Oposo was hurt at the end of the year last year. But I want to see their numbers up this year. I think if we don't have – if those guys don't produce more, we don't have a chance of making playoffs. I I don't want to just say, well, I know Jack Eichel's gonna, line's going to produce. But that's the way I'm basically looking at it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that that line is going to play tough minutes, but O'Reilly's and Oposo's numbers didn't blow you away last year, and they were boosted by a fantastic power play where they got a, a lot of points on the power play. And I expect I don't expect the power play to be bad this year, but is it going to be as good as it was last year? Probably not. There's going to be some regression to the mean there. You know, even if they're only fifth in the league, they're still not going to get as many points on that first power play unit as they did last year. So, yeah, I I completely agree. I think they need to produce more at even strength. And considering how much tinkering we saw with the Lions last year, just constant changes, and that's expected with a with a bad team, 
but O'Reilly and Oposo that they stayed together for as much as they did was was pretty surprising actually. But they're they're coming into the season together again, and we'll see what happens. I I think ultimately I wouldn't mind seeing Oposo get a shot on Eichel's right wing. I think that may be a fit um, center and and right wing. I don't like Kane next to Eichel, but I think Oposo could be a really nice fit next to Eichel because he doesn't really need the puck on his stick. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, they, they tried that in preseason too, and uh, for one game, I do believe. And it didn't, you know, it didn't wow me by any means, but I think it's, it's something that was worked on, I I believe, in Kyle Oposo. And the Sabres better believe in him too because uh, we just signed him up for pretty good money last year. But he's uh he there could definitely be more of the work on that line uh i was a little surprised uh well obviously we texted mark and i had conversation but uh last week they sent uh hudson fashion down and then the foul the next day with uh bailey and baptiste sent down uh leaving uh seth griffith uh the guy who made the team that we thought was fighting for a spot. Were you surprised by this at any mark? This is actually what I what I predicted leading up to I know we didn't talk, so you can't you can't verify this, but uh, I on uh, on one of the message boards I frequent, this is what I chose as being the the final roster with Rodriguez being hurt and then when you had Bogosian get hurt and McKay being banged up. So it's like, okay, they're going to probably carry eight defensemen, 13 forwards. I think when you have Griffith being waiver eligible, Bailey and Baptiste would have had to outplay him, would have had to show that we are clearly upgrades over him to make this roster. They didn't do that. Uh, Fashing didn't do that either in camp. It's not saying I'm, I'm giving up on them. I think going back to Rochester is a fine option for them. And they can go down, and they can they can produce. If if any of them really stand out in Rochester, they're going to be back up quickly because, like we talked about before, the the wing depth on this team is horrible. But I'm excited for Seth Griffith. He hasn't really gotten an opportunity full time in the NHL, and he's going to have every opportunity here to produce in this top nine. So I think he's got to be pumped. I think there's there's a lot of talent there. He's produced at the AHL. In, and very importantly, he's produced at even strength in the AHL. So he wasn't his numbers weren't being inflated by playing on a great power play. He produced at even strength in the AHL. He's gone down. He's he's really paid his dues and to be able to get a shot playing next to a highly touted guy like Reinhardt. I think he's got to be he's got to be pretty excited. And and I like his skill too. I liked I liked how he played in in the preseason. What do uh, what do you think about Griffith? Yeah. I think uh, I think he definitely earned a spot. Um, you know, you asked us in over the uh, preseason before camp or anything. We all thought Justin Bailey was the guy. I think the majority of us. He put on weight. He's still skating just as fast, if not faster. But Griffith came in. He produced and he earned a spot in the line. And you know. But he also knows that can be taken away from him at any moment. So it's just because you're an open and night roster doesn't mean you're safe by any means. Uh, and I think I think that's something with Botterill is going to really uh, push this year. I I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of call ups and uh, send downs and with the two way contract guys. And we'll see a lot of that. I think I, I they they want to win. 
but they're not. It, you you look. Botterell said today on the radio after the press conference. Yeah, you know, no one was complaining about Jason um, uh, Getzel not being uh, in the starting lineup opening night, but at the end of the season, he was. We sent him back down to Wilkes-Barre, and at the end of the season, he's hoisting the Stanley Cup over his head. So you never know what's going to happen, but some guys just need to go back down and work some more, and eventually they can make their way up to uh, the league. I mean, Bailey played a lot last year, mostly because of injury, but I don't want us to forget about um, Evan Rodriguez. I think he probably had the strongest camp out of anyone. Really, I think Rodriguez is uh, was uh, one of the big uh, one of the big winners at camp until he got hurt in preseason. And once that hand heals, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I th- I think there will be a spot here for him, assuming his recovery goes fine and he doesn't need to go down and play himself back into shape or anything like that. Uh, and I agree too. You talked about Bailey, us expecting Bailey to be the one that would win that that right wing job on the Reinhardt line. Once we saw that Reinhardt was going to be used at center. Bailey was the one. I know I was penciling in there. A lot of Sabres fans were penciling in there. And it's the same reasons why we've talked a lot about liking Kane with Reinhardt is why we like Bailey with Reinhardt. What does Reinhardt bring to the table? He brings hockey IQ, you know, his positioning, his passing. Not a great skater. You know, his his physical tools aren't off the chart. But what does Bailey bring to the table? He brings a lot of those things that, Reinhardt doesn't. He's a, a great skater. He can crash the net. Uh, not super physical, but he's got the the size to be able to to get positioning around the net. So he brings a lot of things that Reinhardt doesn't. And if his development continues, I think that that those two make a lot of sense together as a pairing. But just he he did not show it. I don't know if that light bulb is going to go off for him where he becomes a legitimate top nine guy, and I, I really hope he does. But I, I think one of the things I I like about Bottrell, about what he's done so far, is he did bring in multiple fringe NHL, AHL-type guys. And what luxury does that give you? It allows you to send down young guys who have not actually earned a spot. And they, they talked about with, with Tim Murray that – his plan on the left side was for Gooley to be in the NHL this year. Well, Gooley came in, he's got a ton of tools, but he didn't win a spot. He didn't wow enough to be in the NHL this year. So they can send him down, and they've got guys like, like Tennyson around. They had uh, they have Falk, Fadoon, you know, a lot of these types of guys that could fill that six, seven, eight type role, and you can send Gooley down and let him develop. And they did the same thing, I think, to a lesser extent up front, claiming Jordan Nolan – that added to it too. Gave them another 12, 13, 14 type forward who's uh, been a longtime fourth liner in the NHL. So I I really like that approach. That was one of the biggest problems I had with the Murray regime. It's, it's a cheap problem to fix too. You have 50 contracts to work with. Last year the Sabres had had I don't know what they finished the year with, but they still had several contract slots left to work with. And they didn't use them to address the depth. And as a result, they had to push young guys into roles that they weren't ready for. So I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm I'm disappointed that none of the young guys came out and had a had a tremendous camp to, to make the team. But I think they did a good job yeah. of, of having the contingency plan in place in case that, that didn't happen. You got to love that they're making them earn it. Uh, I think that's very important, too. And... Uh... 
yeah, this Bottero really uh, has made those moves, like you said. Uh, you said that uh, I completely agree with you there, Mark. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, who who gets the chances once, because you know there's going to be injuries. You you know what's going to happen, so you know players aren't going some once in a while players aren't going to produce the way they should. So we're we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one other guy I'd like to touch up on is um, Baptiste. Uh, a lot of people were hoping he had a big camp, but uh, it seems like it seems to me that they really want him to uh, develop a lot more than what he is currently right now, so he could eventually work his way up, possibly into a top six spot on this team in a year or two. Yeah, I think I think that's the hope with him. I think people do forget he's still only 22 years old. It feels like he's been around longer, but uh, I think he can go down. He's going to play top minutes, get get power play time in Rochester. He's shown the ability to produce at the AHL level. I think we we saw a lot of the tools last year. He got a little bit of a chance to play with Eichel, and he could skate with Eichel. He can skate with top six forwards in the NHL. He's got some skill, uh, but it's all about putting that together and figuring out how to produce, figuring out how to how to adjust when there's that millisecond less time because the NHL is is a little bit faster than the than the AHL. How does he adjust? And at 22 years old, he's he, he's not a top flight prospect. He's not a he's not an Eichel that's going to come in and, and be able to play in the league at at 18 or 19. I think we can afford to be patient, but I agree with you too that it was disappointing. You, you keep ex- or you keep hoping. I don't. I don't want to say expecting, but you keep hoping that the light bulb is going to come out now, and we're going to have a legit top nine forward. You hope that would happen with at least one of these guys, and I, I was actually hoping yeah. for it to happen too. I didn't think they'd be rolling with Seth Griffith in the top nine going into the season, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know. This is a team that lacks a uh, winger depth. I mean, high talented uh, with this opening roster, opening night roster. You, you got Evander Kane, Jason Pomville, Kyle Poso, uh, Gergesons. Who is he really a winger or is he really a center? Uh, I mean, there's guys that can play both, but you you're, you get where I'm going with this is that you, with this team, you you would hope that one a couple of these guys would uh, earn a spot, but they didn't, but let's not forget that next year we could even see a Casey Middlestack coming out of college. Have, did you see his highlight uh, from his first game? Uh, just controlling that puck around the whole net and eventually finding a way to get that puck home? I did, yeah. It was pretty impressive. It looked like he was back playing in Eden Prairie in high school. Uh, he, he, he's he got a ton of skill. That's what we've been talking about since they drafted him. You and I were both really excited about the pick, and he's – exceeded our expectations since then so it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to follow him in college hockey I, I like watching college hockey a lot and having a, a dog in the fight I've become a, a bigger UND fan uh, University of North Dakota fan but it's sometimes hard to find their games it, it, it's great to have somebody to follow somebody to watch and a, a high level player who very well could be in the conversation for the Hobie Baker. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves there, but he's yeah. going to have every opportunity to produce a lot for that team, and that team's going to be pretty good, that that Gophers team. That's a, that's a good organization for sure. The Gophers uh, 
are they they are a big part of college hockey. And those for that don't know, Mark, uh, Mark and I, if you've never heard our podcast before, or listened to us before, Mark and I played uh, hockey together growing up. We've been longtime friends, and Mark has uh, in the last year and a half or so, Mark has moved out to North Dakota. Uh, he had a job opportunity out there. So we like to keep track of each other and talk about hockey on this podcast, mostly Sabres, but around the league. And uh, right now Mark is actually on out of town for work in uh, Minnesota. So maybe, you know, he'll be rubbing elbows with Middlestat later tonight after the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> I'm a little too far away probably to be running into him on the street. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Lakes Country in Minnesota right now for work and and it is cool that I actually I watched one of Eden Prairie's games last year in the tournament I got him on TV out here and uh it's it's cool to see the Sabres draft a a Minnesota high school kid and I'll be rooting for him I'm not going to be rooting for the Gophers in general I I am a University of North Dakota fan now out here I never really had a had a college hockey team to be a fan of but uh it's just going to be a lot of fun this year. I'm I, I'm so excited for the NHL is always number one, but I think I feel that much more excited about college hockey than I have in recent years. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think, especially with how badly this team needs winger depth, and, and we just talked about it so much. Josh talked about it. the The first thing you need to to see if the Sabers are not a true contender is to look at their their wings. And center is, is probably the most important position to being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Sabres are, are, are strong down the middle, but you look at those wingers yes. and you don't see a, a contending team there. And so they, they badly need middle set to develop and to, to make an impact in the NHL as soon as possible. And they badly need Nylander to, to, to realize his potential and to make an impact sooner rather than later. So there's a lot on those two guys' shoulders. Yeah, and Nylander's uh, a guy that, you know, yes, he did have the injury uh, in, camp this year, uh, in uh, camp this year, but he was a guy who didn't really impress me that much in developmental camp. Uh, a guy, I just, I, I hope he can find his game because I know I don't want to be too hard on the kid, but I hope he has a good year in Rochester because he could really, he really needs to uh, go out there and earn some, Earn uh, show the fact that he was a, the eighth overall pick in the draft in 2016. Yeah, and, and and there's a spot for him to win if if he goes down mm-hmm. and and yeah. produces over the first dozen couple dozen games. There's there's clearly a spot or a couple spots to be won in Buffalo if you're if you're playing that well down in the AHL and and like you had alluded to earlier, there are going to be injuries. So the opportunity is still there for him. He's still very young. I don't think we should be giving up on him. But yeah, last year wasn't great overall. It's very tough at his age to come in and play in the AHL. So we did, we weren't going to expect him to come in and set the world on fire in the AHL. But even at the World Juniors, he didn't dominate. He produced, and he was opportunistic. Um, and he's obviously a, a, a very, very good player for his age group. But he did not dominate you know he he never showed all last year that i am clearly an nhl player now so i'm hoping he can take that step by the I end of this if, year i wonder if murray would have gifted him sorry about that mark i wonder if murray would have gifted him a spot this year on this team 
yeah. if Murray was still here. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been surprised by that based on what we've learned about what his plan was for Brendan Gooley, and we obviously can see now that yeah. that would have been a huge mistake to to rely too much on Nylander. So thankfully, the the pressure is off him a little bit. Um, they don't. They don't need him to come in and win a spot. There wasn't a spot there that he was penciled into, but it would make a huge impact yeah. if he was able to come up and, and produce in the top nine at some point this year. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it, it's, uh, it's been it, – it's, now that the, the uh, training camp is over, preseason is over, and we are, uh, we are heading into the beginning of the season – tomorrow um like we said we, we we host the habs and then saturday we will be heading out to uh the islanders who which and uh we'll be so we'll be out in the bronx at the barclay center is is the barclay center in the bronx it's in brooklyn i believe yeah. okay my bad but anyways um so and you're right you're absolutely right um so we're heading out to the barclay center we're going to be playing uh a, a team that's that has been uh, depleted, but maybe rejuvenate. Uh, we we they they brought in Jordan Ember Eberle. They've uh, they've brought in a few other pieces to uh, round out that lo- roster, but uh, and also bringing up guys like Josh Hosang, and we'll see what uh we'll see what uh, what they look like. Uh, but I think it's a team that the Sabers could really handle well in the. Uh, on 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 Saturday, Mark. Yeah, this is another interesting team to watch because yeah, a, a new face playing next to Tavares, uh, Eberle, and they also have several young guys. And I think this is going to be what what ultimately determines how they do this year. It's how does how does Hosang do in a top nine role? How does how does Beauvillier do? Does does he take the next step? Uh, Barzal stepping in and and is centering their second line, so I think those three guys they're really what the uh, what the Islanders' success or lack thereof is is going to to hitch on this year. And yeah, we they lost a big looter, a big leader in um, in um, Travis Hamonic too. So uh, you know they they did lose that in the back end. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no, off. no, it's okay. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big loss. The their defense should still be, you know, probably league average or so. That it, it's not world beating by any means. Probably around where the Sabers is, probably a, a little bit better. But uh, <clears throat> I I would hope these are the types of teams the Sabers have to pass. That the, the Sabers have to be a step above this year if they want to make the playoffs. If the Sabers are hanging around the Islander types of the league, they will not be in the playoffs yeah. this year. So these are the teams they have to show they can go out and beat. The, the Habs I put in that category too. The Habs are going to be in that playoff mix. Yeah. This is a team I I would expect you to have to finish in front of if you want to make the playoffs this year. You have to beat out the Habs, I think. And uh, I, that's the team that's been winning our division for how long now? Um, it's kind of funny to think. You see all these uh, – these really early predictions for uh, the end of the year since the NHL season starting. And a lot of people want to, uh, a lot of experts are putting Toronto in for the number one spot in the Atlantic. Um, We talked on our previous podcast, how we thought that was a little premature, 
Uh, has your feelings changed at all about that, Mark? They haven't, despite the Leafs being up three to nothing on the Jets right now. My, my. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. Bad time to bring this up. <laughs> despite that, my thoughts haven't changed. I expect them to probably be pretty similar because you can make arguments on both sides. If you if you want to say this team's going to regress, then you're going to say, look at how healthy they stayed last year. Teams don't stay that healthy two years in a row. It's not going to happen. They were very lucky last year, and that's that's certainly very true. But you can also look at that they – I forget what exactly their, their record was in shootouts, but I don't think they had a single win in a shootout last year. So you think if that normalizes – I think they were 0-8 or, or, or something like that. If that normalizes and they're 500, then that's eight additional points there. So – or – that's four additional points there, which can really, you know, take some of the, if they do regress due to injuries, would, would help boost them back up to maybe around where they where they were last year. So I expect them to be more on the fringe this year. I don't think they're going to be the clear number one team. I, I don't like their defense, and they didn't do enough to address it. All they really did was bring in Ron Hainsey. They didn't have a, a world beater coming up to, to come in and, and take a top four spot this year or anything like that. Their offense yeah. is, is very deep, one of the deepest offenses in the whole league, and they are fun to watch as much as I, I hate to say it for that reason because all three of their all three of their top lines can score. They've upgraded with, with Marlowe coming in. They've now got a 20-goal scorer from last year playing on the fourth line in Connor Brown. But with that defense, I don't think – I don't think they're going to have sustained success long enough over the course of the whole season to win this division. I think they're going to be probably third. I expect them to make the playoffs, but to be in like the third to uh, wild card type of battle. What do you think of them? Yeah. Well, that's where I was thinking fringe, uh, three, three, fourth, third, fourth in our division. Uh, I, I really like Tampa Bay this year and, uh, I, I I expect to see Boston to uh, regress as well, but uh, Montreal M- Montreal has a lot of question marks around them, and I think that that's one team that really will shape up the division if they can come back and show that they're still number one or number two, which I don't think is going to happen, but uh, they they very well could. I just I don't see Toronto being number one. But everyone else is predicting them there, and I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. I ain't drinking that Kool-Aid, and I ain't going to live that life because around here, Leafs blow all year long, like I always say. Yeah, yeah, and I I agree with you that I think Tampa is the the top team, is the team to beat right now. And people forget they were they, they suffered through so many injuries last year, so they kind of have the opposite issue from Toronto or issue, whatever you want to say, that – they're going to progress to the mean where they're not going to suffer as many injuries as they did last year. Their their core is still in its prime. They only finished a point behind Toronto last year despite all those injuries. Uh, so yeah, and they and their their point differential was or their goal differential was only two goals different. So I think Tampa there's there's so many arguments to be made on on their behalf that 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 they're going to progress this year. Um, I I love Vasilevsky too, and I'm really excited to see what he can do over the course of an entire season. I think he will become an upper echelon goalie sooner rather than later. 
Uh, but yeah, a lot of the other teams in the division, I think there's, there's going to be a big muddy area where you've got Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, the Sabres, and Florida all battling it out for those for that two spot through, um, you know, and then everybody else in the in the battling for the three spot and the wild card. It's it's going to be a tight division. I think it's not a very strong division overall, and I think it's going to be one of those ones that that comes down to the end. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then if you want to, if you want to talk metropolitan, uh, you, you know, the, I think the Blue Jackets are going to have a really good season this year again. I think, you know, obviously Pittsburgh's in there. I think the Hurricanes are going to be good as well. I think I, I could see that the Hurricanes being third in that division this year. So that that would be my top three in that metropolitan. Uh, I'm going to be bold on the Hurricanes there and. Uh, I think the Capitals take a step back, and I think the Rangers take a step back as well. Um, you, you never want to bet against a goaltender like Brendan Holpe or a player like Alexander Ovechkin. But and the and the the Capitals have been good for so long. But I'm uh I'm I'm gonna say they take a step back this year, and I think the Sabers uh I think they're gonna be right in that mix. I think I you know I. If I had to put money on it now, I would not put. I wouldn't put it on Sabers making playoffs, but I want to see. I want to see w- one of that wild card spots be won by uh, by the Atlantic Division. What whatever team it is, I don't want it just to be three teams from the Atlantic making the making the playoffs. I want there to be four and four, or if there could be five. I the Atlantic's always been that that worst division, but. Maybe we're gonna see a resurgence this year. I, I I think I think uh you know, Florida last year they they were missing Ekblad all season long and I mean he's about as important as anyone on that roster for them. So I wouldn't sleep on Florida either. last year we were all predicting them to win the Atlantic. Yeah. I was at least. Yeah, and they they made some questionable moves. Uh, I think I think that's what's got people more down on them this year because I I would be higher on them I think if uh, if they hadn't made some of the some of the questionable moves that they had because their their roster I think not is not protected Martian <laughs> yeah yeah some yeah you can point at, at multiple the the the, uh, the the Jason Demers trade that they just made too is is, is a head scratcher uh, mm-hmm. and. But I, but I think you can make a pretty good argument. That team was also injury depleted, and they're not going to be as depleted as they were last year. And they, and they had Ekblad for most of last year, but uh, I don't know if, if he was banged up or if whatever it was, but he clearly did take a step back last year. And you know, without him being a stud top-flight defenseman, that defensive core is, is completely different. So... Uh, That'll be an interesting team to watch. I think, I think you could see four and four again, uh, four teams from each, from each uh, division. I think the the Capitals are still going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to be 120 points good or whatever they they were last year. But I still think they're going to be in that 100 point area. They, they they still are deep. They still have a lot of talent both up front and on the back end. Uh, I think they still have another year or two of of very good play. I don't think it's going to be president's trophy level, but uh, yeah, that division is, is certainly better than the Sabres. And I think you pointed out a, a good team, Carolina, where 
that defensive core is going to take a big step at some point. Is it going to be this year? I don't know. You, you may say that that core overall is still too young for them to, to really develop into a playoff team, but they should be uh, they should be better in net this year with Scott Darling. Yeah, absolutely. And that defense with, with how young they are, and they have a lot of studs on that on that defense, I think you'll see them quickly whenever it is, whether it's this year or next year or two years from now, that they're going to quickly develop into a one of those decors that you're scared of. You know, a, a Nashville-type decor that that, they're, that that franchise is going to be able to build around for a long time. As much as I hate to say it, we yeah. we both hate the Hurricanes, I, hate I know. <laughs> <laughs> but they've done a good job adding talent on the back end. And they're going to be able to move one of those guys at some point, probably for another top six forward. I would, I would think. Yeah. It's it's hard for me personally not to root for a guy like Scott Darling too. I uh, read an article about him this offseason from the Associated Press. I don't know if anyone else got to see it. I could uh, find it again and retweet it if anyone's interested. But uh, just about his personal story and what he's had to overcome to uh, finally actually become a starting goalie in the NHL this year, and. Uh, pretty interesting i know everyone in the league has to work hard but uh uh his his story uh talks about uh you know alcoholism something that i see in a lot of people as a bartender and uh and uh it's very interesting story very uh very uh you you look at the you look at the goaltender and think differently if you read the story so Good story about that, but, yeah, still hate the Hurricanes. Yeah, I remember seeing when he first came up, they showed all the teams that he had played for coming up through the minors and all the obscure leagues that he played in to eventually make it to the point where he was established in the AHL and then got a shot with the with the Blackhawks. So, yeah, a guy that is a cool story, and uh, I wish he hadn't gone to the to the Hurricanes. But if yeah. if he does well and, the, and that defensive core does uh, does well, he's a – He's a guy that you want to root for. You can hear that uh, that alarm in the background on your end, and I have I yeah. have one near me in this building that's gone off several times each day I've been here, and it has not gone off yet. But I may have a similar alarm situation on my end at some point. <laughs> yeah, this should be the last time going through it. Uh, ambulance call of some kind. Uh, I'm located right behind the fire hall here, so uh, it's pointing right pointing right at us. So I apologize if. Uh, if that was uh, too loud for any uh, listeners to hear Mark's uh, voice, but uh, one uh, one other game I would like to touch on uh, before we uh, wrap everything up too is uh, Monday night's game. We're playing uh, another young team, another team that's going to be fast, I do believe, in the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they have Nico Hirschner, uh, if I'm pronouncing Hishier, that right. Yep. I have no idea. I probably I, I I'm probably butchering that i probably will for a while but uh um he's uh he's gonna be centering that second line uh and uh we'll have you know the islanders acquired taylor hall last year so you got two speedsters there and uh marcus johansson will be uh on this uh islanders team i mean islanders uh, devils team as well uh player that uh I thought they got a really good deal on <laughs> in the offseason. Uh, Johansson, I thought, is, was one of the better players on the Capitals and very underrated. So uh, I think uh, the – I honestly think 
that the Devils shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have won that draft lottery, but they did. But they'll. I think the Devils will have a pretty decent season this year. Not a playoff team, but they're going to be a team striving to to get up faster than the other ones, kind of like the Sabers. Yeah, yeah. They've they've quietly assembled a, a pretty decent young core up front, and getting lucky really helps. Luck always helps, and getting his year was a mm-hmm. was a stroke of luck, but. They've made some smart moves, too. I really liked the Hall move last year, like you alluded to. Had another couple guys come up through their system. Uh, <clears throat> their back end, I, I think, still isn't good enough for them to really uh, to really contend in this division, to, to be a true threat for a playoff spot. But I think they're, they're moving in the right direction, and they've finally gotten out of that. That, me- that mediocrity that they were in for a long time, and they finally have some elite talent, which is what they were lacking for a long time. And uh, this will be a team to watch. There, there are multiple teams like this in that division that are that are going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'd already talked about the Islanders, and I think the Flyers, the team that picked second in the draft and got, got Nolan Patrick, I think that's a team that, that could make a leap this year too. They may be better positioned even than uh, Carolina, who we discussed earlier, to maybe contend for uh, a wild card spot out of that division this year. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see if um we'll see if they'll win ten games in a row and still not make playoffs though. <laughs> yeah, now that was fun um, to watch. Another team that I that I really do not like, and I know that you also do not like, is the is the Flyers. <laughs> so that was yeah. that was pretty funny to watch. I think uh, another good death move for uh, for for the the Devils, and you might disagree with me on this one, Mark, is uh, bringing in Jimmy Hayes off of wa- uh, off of waivers, um, older player. But uh, I think a good move for uh, the uh, for the Devils. He'll be in the lineup uh, Monday n- next Monday against the Sabers. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, didn't they? I believe they brought him in on a, on a PTO and then he ended up winning a mm-hmm. spot out of camp. Uh, and they also brought in our old friend Drew Stafford, another pretty cheap option. I would have loved for the Sabres to take a look at him. I think he signed for $800,000 if I'm remembering correctly. That would have been a nice guy to have to maybe plug into that third line right wing spot. But they did a nice yeah. job filling out their roster with some pretty cheap, basically no risk or low risk and high reward potentially high reward type guys and I don't think Hayes is going to be a world beater by any means but he he still no. could potentially be a a decent top 9 forward and I think taking a shot on him was the right move same thing with Stafford I think he's somebody he even at his worst he's a legitimate top 9 guy to have a guy like that for for $800,000 is a quality move. So I think they're they're pretty well run. Will Will Butcher ended up choosing to go there. There are spots to be won yeah. on their defense, and to get an asset like that for free is pretty nice. Not that I don't think either of us are expecting him to to be a top flight defenseman by any means. But in in New Jersey, they're yeah. they're quietly assembling talent. Well, he and Butcher's uh, penciled in right now to be on that on that third pairing uh, for. The Devils, I, if he, if, and a lot of people were uh, upset with uh, his decision to go to the Devils, but I will say that if if he wanted to play, the Devils would be in the right spot because he wasn't going to earn a spot on this roster. Yeah, it, it makes a whole lot of sense 
for him. And and I can't blame him. You know, the difference between going and winning a spot there where I, I don't know what his NHL salary is, but where he, he might be making $750,000 playing up with the big club versus making $125,000 playing down in the AHL. That's a, a big difference. And playing in the NHL sets you up for another contract, getting more time in the in the in the NHL sets you up better for those negotiations when they eventually come. So I certainly can't can't blame him. I would have liked to have gotten him gotten an asset like that for free, but it happens and it's mm-hmm. certainly justifiable. So yeah, that that's another guy to watch on that team that if he if he does become a top four guy, he can be a major cog for them going forward with all that elite talent they have up front and alleviate some of those question marks we were talking about on defense. Yeah, so we've, we've covered the last three games, Mark. Uh, you want to give us a bold prediction about what you think is going to happen in these next three Ooh. games as a record statement? Um, let's see. This might be held against you, okay. too. I just want to give you the fair warning. So is this anything, or should I say who how I think the Sabres will do? How the Sabres, how the Sabres will do, and what, what, uh, where their wins and losses will become, will come from, are just wins, are just losses. Whew, okay. Um, well, one bold prediction that that is that does not have to do with uh, wins and losses. I I do not think Kane and okay. Eichel will be line mates after these first three games. I think that line will get broken up. Uh, I think the Sabres will win opening night against Montreal. Uh, so I'll take a, a 1-0 record into the Islanders game. I think uh, losing overtime or shootout against the Islanders. People are calling for, for Robin Leonard's head already for losing in another shootout. Uh, and then uh, – afternoon home game against New Jersey you know this game is going to be very boring they always are Uh, (laughs) no matter who what the faces are New Jersey Buffalo games are always boring Uh, I'll say I'll say a regulation loss Uh, so slow start they start 1-1-1 with uh, with three points through the first three games I won't try to predict scores or anything Except the New Jersey Buffalo game okay. will be a two to one game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a safe bet. <laughs> safe bet. Um, I'm just gonna fire back at you and say I don't think you're right whatsoever. <laughs> I think we lose it. I think we lose the home opener against Montreal. Um, we come out and win in overtime against the Islanders at the Barclays Center, and we win two to one against the. Uh, the Devils. Perfect. So we'll be two and one. Perfect. Complete yeah. opposite predictions. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put I put my thought process into this, and I'm just not you know I'm not just going against you just to go against you. You know it might seem like something that a person like me might do, but not this time. <laughs> it works better that way when we're not because sometimes we agree too much and we need to disagree sometimes. But yeah, but you know, you know. When when you when uh, you got two uh, bright individuals uh, speaking on speaking and uh, going out in the public record, you gotta you gotta give your 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 honest answer, you know. But uh, it'll be interesting. I really enjoyed doing this. Uh, I hope this works out well uh, through the YouTube channel. I hope people uh, 
want to come in and after hearing this i would uh appreciate if we get some feedback from uh some of the people that have gotten this far and listened to this or watched this and if they want to participate with us uh we can we can figure out some ways to uh for them to chime in while we are going live and we could uh, get some reaction and let some people know what we're thinking or we want to know what you think too so should be exciting Mark. definitely yeah i think uh one of the pieces of feedback is my background is a lot worse than your background so i'm gonna need to work on i know i can't do anything here but having my background <laughs> at home be a little more exciting like like your background there but yeah th- well this is the best wall in my apartment yeah no i like it i I like that you uh, th- that you thought of that. The I don't know if that was planned or not, but yeah, it looks pretty cool with with that background. It's there. been like this for for about you know since like the beginning of summertime. It's been uh, hung up like this completely. It hasn't been moved. Nothing's been moved. But uh, that's my uh, our rock art wall. You know, we got a little some vinyl records hanging up there. We got a Donovan Mellow Yellow and uh, some uh, live. Uh, posters from uh, the tap room dead alliance buffalo uh one of my favorite grateful dead acts in the buffalo region uh that's the first time they played here and uh so there's a lot of different stuff we can hang and uh we we like we like the we like the art in, in our house so definitely yeah, i'm sure uh you can just start you should just make a saber talk podcast uh poster and you know, you can take it all the hotel rooms and hang it up behind. Yeah, you. yeah, I have that in my uh, in my travel bag, just ready to ready to bring with me. But yeah, yeah like yeah, absolutely. like you had talked about, I think this can be fun. Hopefully, the the video and the audio and everything comes out well. We're kind of doing this as a as a dry run to see how it goes, but we can have the the chat feature. We'll send out the link next time. We didn't want to necessarily add other complications beyond just video and audio, but this this all went pretty smoothly and i think it it can work out really well too if we if we want to try to do one before games try to do kind of a pre-game type of thing that people would be able to come in yeah. and rather than because it, it takes time to put out rather than you know have it come out in the middle of the game or whatever and nobody's going to watch it at that point that they can join us on youtube be able to interact with us in real time give us real time feedback too you know maybe if they just completely disagree with one of our points or if one of us is factually wrong it's nice that somebody would be able to catch that so that's why yeah it makes this absolutely and uh you and if you don't want to see my ugly face you can also just listen to us on the on the on the podcast on your podcast app on your iphone uh, at saber talk podcast so um there's always that too because i know I mean, I, there's someone that's actually signed up to look at this for the rest of their life, and I have a hard time just looking at it on my own screen. So, you know, it, it, it can go either way. <laughs> so if you get sick of looking at this melon, just get on that Apple uh, podcast store and uh, check us out for free there, too. Yeah, or you can join us live and just minimize minimize the screen. You can hear the audio. Don't have to look at either of us. It's, an, it's another way, too. But, yeah, we'll continue to be out there on whatever podcast aggregating app that you use. We're out there at Saber Talk Podcast. We're, we've stuck with that name this long. I'm always open to suggestions if we've got some more creative. That's that's not my thing. I'm not a marketing guy or anything, so I haven't been able to come up with anything super creative. But we're always open to any cool suggestions that you have. So that would be some great feedback if you've, if you've got it. Yeah. 
Well, is there anything else you want to touch on before uh, we wrap this up, Mark? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think we we hit. We we didn't mention the the Nick Delorier trade. I know we had talked about that briefly before we started. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to worry about him coming in and out of the roster. Jordan Nolan is uh is proven in LA that he can do that fourth line fourth line role uh, way more effectively than Nick Delore has ever had, and he's had multiple chances to do it. Certainly, certainly, yep. He's he's gotten his chances. I like the guy. That's what we've talked about over time. It's not about liking or disliking him. It's it's that he's not an effective NHL player. So I think Nolan. Hopefully, this sparks him a little bit that he now comes in, realizes I was put on waivers. I I already was pushed out of an organization. I didn't make that team, and now I've got to go in and I've got to prove that I'm a legitimate NHL forward if I want to get another one-way contract next year if I want to stay in the league next year but he's shown that he can do yeah. it he, he's got the the size and the skating I think that's one thing you look at him he's he's huge he's actually a, a fairly decent skater especially for a fourth liner and he's he's been physical in the past but a big knock on him last year is that he wasn't that physical but I think this is a great opportunity for him to come in there's there's ice time to be one uh, they don't have a guy like him they don't have a uh, bigger guy that can that can fight the the middleweight types or even heavyweight types. I guess he would likely lose, but uh, there was nobody else really like him besides Deloria on the roster. So I think it's a great opportunity for him. I liked the move. Um, not much to complain about. I haven't really seen anybody complaining too much about it. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't either. Um... And it's safe to say that we won't run into any issues because we had Dominic Hashik night the other night, so Ted can come on and watch his son Jordan play whenever he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those jokes never never get old. Um, and no, maybe it'll be the third I'm sorry, I couldn't help Maybe myself. the third time will be the charm for a, for a Nolan in the Sabres organization. But it was nice to see Ted come out too and say that the Sabres organization's been good to their family and that uh, Jordan was very excited to come because his his dad had had a good experience here, so uh, I liked it. It was another type of move that we talked about earlier that they brought in veteran type guys, so you don't have to gift spots to uh, to players that aren't ready, to players that haven't actually earned it yet. Uh, and best part about it, no more Nick Delorier, and he was traded for Zach Redmond, another depth defenseman type, has some NHL experience. I don't know a ton about him. I uh, I know he had. He was with Colorado a couple years back, and it looked like he was going to maybe become an NHL regular. But more defensive depth never hurts, and the Sabres definitely have plenty of that now in the organization. Yeah, and it's going to be fun for uh, – it's going to be good for Rochester. I know we talked about it last podcast, but Rochester is going to be a team that, you know, can go out there and compete, and I think they're a playoff team in the, in the AHL this year for sure. So – It'll be fun following Rochester as well. Yeah, there's certainly no excuses not to. Olmark looked really good in camp, so assuming the Sabres don't have injury issues with with Leonard or Chad Johnson, don't have to have Olmark up a majority of the year, having him down there is big. And then the defense should be very good, especially if Gooley sets the world on fire like a lot of people are expecting him to with the the pedigree that he has and people hoping that he's going to make an impact in the NHL sooner rather than later. But a lot of veteran types where you know what you're going to get. You know that you're going to get 
fairly high level AHL play out of them. And then you have a lot of forwards, a, a lot of young guys that they're going to be leaning on and a lot of young guys that are going to be really hungry to make it to the NHL, hopefully. So hopefully those guys come out and can set the world on fire and Rochester can all, can start the year off strong because that's they've had horrendous starts to seasons as well. They've had Sabres-itis yeah. over the last few years. So I'm hoping that these Rochester fans can have something Very to share about this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Murray uh, definitely uh, put them on the back burner for way too long, but uh, this has been fun, Mark. I've uh, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I guess if I if I had to throw since you threw out one bold prediction about Eichel and Kane, I will throw out the bold prediction that we'll probably talk before we'll know. But I'm gonna say in six games, Reinhardt will be back on wing. Nice, pretty pretty bold prediction. Yeah. Yep, I mean we'll, we'll see, but uh, well, it's uh, just uh, I felt bad because I didn't uh, throw one out yet. So yeah, no, it always it, it's always good to have some of those statements to be able to come back to and and think about it. And I could certainly see that happening where they've got Larson playing on the wing right now, and if they we talked about Pouliot, if he's not able to produce on that line, um, things start to get dicey. Maybe. Griffith doesn't look great too on the wing and now all of a sudden what already doesn't look like good wing depth looks like horrible wing depth so uh, mm-hmm. that certainly could happen and we'll see if if anybody can produce next to Eichel uh, it kind of remains to be seen but awesome we each have a yeah. bold prediction anything else on your yeah, end I'm, no I, I'm I've hit everything that I've uh, thought of and I'm uh just excited to watch the games just like everyone else is out there so um tomorrow's my mom's birthday mom if you're listening happy birthday early uh we'll see you tomorrow we'll be watching the game over there awesome happy birthday lynette um and yeah i've got nothing else on on my end i'm sure we'll be talking back and forth during the game Uh, i don't know we didn't talk about when we can do Mm -hmm. another episode but maybe Sometime over this weekend, maybe after these after these first couple games, uh, <clears throat> but we'll try to keep everybody updated. We'll we'll be posting a link out to our to our live stream the next podcast that we do so that people can join us. Like we talked about before, I didn't want to complicate things too much this time. But thank you to everybody that watches this and or listens to this. Uh, we we really enjoy it. And hopefully, you guys enjoy enjoy the opening nights of NHL hockey as much as Josh and I do. Go Sabres.